I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. In today's program, Jennifer Evans tells us about an important risk factor for macular degeneration. People who were current smokers had a twofold increased risk of being visually impaired. First this, what could be better than listening to world leaders in ophthalmology talking about important clinical issues using the on-demand power of podcasting? How about getting CME credit for it? I am psyched to tell you that you will soon be able to get continuing medical education credit for doing just what you're doing now. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians is about to become the first podcast to offer its listeners CME. I'll have more to say about CME at the end of this podcast. As seen from here, all the quality of a national meeting every week on your MP3 player. By the way, now would be a great time to subscribe. Did you know that you can get every episode of As Seen From Here as soon as it comes out and without ever having to visit a website? It's called subscribing, and it's free. Each week, subscribers get As Seen From Here automatically loaded onto their iPods, MP3 players, and computers by using a program called a podcatcher. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the How Do I Listen button. Subscribing only takes a minute. Free podcatchers are available for Windows, Macintosh, and Linux computers. I put links to download an excellent podcatcher on the How Do I Listen page of asseenfromhere.com. Then, within hours of my podcasting an episode, you'll have it too. In the developed world, macular degeneration is the most common cause of severe vision loss in patients over the age of 50. And while countless millions of dollars are being spent on treatment, it is incumbent on us to also investigate prevention. The risk factors associated with age-related macular degeneration are several, but one important risk factor is within the means of the patient to modify. Jennifer Evans believes that 28,000 cases of age-related macular degeneration may be attributable to smoking in the United Kingdom alone. I asked her about her study, which appears in the May 2005 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Let me ask you first to describe the design of the study. Well, the study that we did was an add-on study to a large population-based trial that was already set up and occurring in the population of 75 years and older in the UK. So the Medical Research Council were interested in looking at different methods of assessing the health of older people. Um, I won't go into that side of things too much, but just to say that as part of doing this trial, 53 practices, general practices uh, in the UK, everyone aged 75 years and above was given a health assessment which included a visual acuity test. The MRC study was not designed as an ophthalmic study, right, Jenny? Can you tell me what the purpose of the MRC study was? Um, Well, the medical, the MRC stands for the Medical Research Council, which is uh, a UK government agency which funds uh, medical research in the UK. The trial was called the um, MRC Trial of the Assessment and Management of Older People in the Community. And the aim of the trial was to look at different methods of doing health checks in people 75 years and above in general practice, basically the primary care uh, facility in the UK. Almost everyone in the population is registered with a general practitioner, which is a general physician. 
which provide who provides um, uh, primary care and then refers on to hospital care. The general practitioners have a contract with the UK government, with the NHS, National Health Service, to provide certain types of checks. One of the checks they were required to do was to offer an annual health check to everyone aged 75 years and above. And so this trial was set up to try and investigate which was the best way of delivering that health check and what sort of aspects should be covered in the health check. So it's basically a multi-dimensional health assessment of um, older people. So as part of that health assessment, there was a visual acuity test done in half of the general practices taking part in the trial. And in the other half of the practices, they just asked a simple question relating to vision and it was whether or not people had difficulties reading newsprint. When it came to doing an add-on study, um, initially we were interested in looking at the causes of visual impairment. We focused on the 53 practices in the MRC trial that had actually measured vision. Now for those patients identified as having poor vision, some were identified as part of a chart review and some were identified by uh, visual screening. Yeah. Well, there were two main arms to the trial, one of which provided a universal health assessment. So a nurse in the general practice did a detailed health check on everyone aged 75 years and above in that practice, registered with that practice. And in the other arm of the trial, the nurse in the general practice or the participants um, completed a questionnaire which had much simpler questions about their health. And the aim of the, the overall aim of the trial was to compare those um, different methods of health assessment. But our study was focused on visual impairment and the causes of visual impairment. And we went on to link data collected within the trial with our information on uh, age-related macular degeneration. The people that were included in our study on visual impairment were people who had a binocular acuity of less than 618 on the visual acuity test that was done by the nurses. So those, everyone who had a binocular acuity less than 618 was of interest to us. Now some of those people then went on to have a pinhole check and improved their vision to better than 618. So, that, so we assumed that those people, the, they might have had several problems, eye problems, but we attributed the main cause of their visual impairment to uh, refractive error. And then for the other people that, even having had a pinhole check, still had a binocular, well, still had acuity in either eye of less than 618, we then went on to try and investigate what the cause of that visual loss was. Now, it's a very large geographically dispersed study, so we did not do another eye health check, but we went back to the general practice uh, medical records and followed up the cause of visual loss from that. Can you tell me more about your control group? Who constituted a, a control and what patients were screened out from being controls? Having identified um, people who are visually impaired and identified those who were visually impaired due to uh, AMD, we then um, compared those people visually impaired due to AMD with a control group of people with um, good vision. So that means a vision of 6-6 six, six or more on the um, health 
check done by the nurse. Now, the rationale for limiting patients in the control group to 6-6 vision, or as, as we would say in the States, to 20-20 vision, was to exclude patients who might have otherwise been in the control group who would have had mild macular degeneration. Yeah. So patients with macular degeneration with visual acuity of 618, or as we would say 2060, or worse, could be included in the macular degeneration group. Patients with 6-6 vision 2020 could be included in the control group, but patients between 2020 vision and 2060 vision were excluded from either group That's right. to exclude patients from the control group who had mild macular degeneration. Is that right? Yeah. For the purpose of the paper, how did you define macular degeneration? Um, macular degeneration was, um, or age-related macular degeneration, was any report by a hospital ophthalmologist in the medical records that this person had age-related macular degeneration. In the patients with macular degeneration with the 2060 group, do we know that these are people who had a single diagnosis of macular degeneration that, for example, do, do we know that the experimental group did not include patients who had 2060 or worse vision because of macular degeneration and also concurrent cystoid macular edema or diabetic retinopathy or, or even cataracts? Um, do we know that these patients had a 2060 or worse vision primarily as a result of their macular degeneration? Yeah, we looked for, for evidence that the um, hospital ophthalmologist considered the um, age-related macular degeneration to be uh, a cause of visual loss in this person. The study parameter that you looked at here was smoking. How did you determine who smoked and what the duration of smoking is, and for those who had stopped smoking, uh, how many years had, had gone by since they had stopped smoking? Um, we assess smoking by uh, use of an interviewer-administered questionnaire, and the questions that we used had been used widely in other population-based studies in the UK. So the questions we asked, they were participants were asked whether they smoked currently. Um, for people who responded no, they were asked whether they had ever smoked cigarettes. And then we also looked at the age smoking started and stopped, and the number of cigarettes um, smoked a day. So with that information, we um, then categorized people into never smoked, ex-smoker, current smoker. Can you tell me what the results of the study were? Well, we found that um, people who were current smokers had a twofold increased risk of being visually impaired due to um, age-related macular degeneration. That result was statistically significant. Did you also find a correlation between macular degeneration and the smoking dose? There was some evidence of a trend with pack years, um, but when we controlled for other potential confounders, that trend wasn't so obvious. Now, as far as years since stopping smoking, we found um, a trend with that such that people who had stopped smoking 20 or more years before did not appear to be at increased risk of being visually impaired due to AMD. While it's true that your data show that patients who have stopped smoking 20 years prior to examination were not at an elevated risk for macular degeneration, one of the things that really struck me was the fact that patients who had stopped smoking 5 to 10 years prior to this study were at no lower risk yep. for macular degeneration than patients who were current smokers. That's right, yeah. 
one thing that we occurred to us was that it might be more difficult in this older population to classify the exact amount that you've smoked over a lifetime. Um, it might be a bit more inaccurate. To us, it seemed that that trend wasn't as clear-cut once you'd taken into account the confounders as it was in the unadjusted odds ratio, or the odds ratio just adjusted for age and sex. What are the confounding variables that you controlled for? The obvious ones which we included were age and sex, gender. We also put in the obvious confounders that would be, say, related to smoking, things like socioeconomic status, which we had housing as a marker of a proxy confounder for socioeconomic status. But in fact, as, as you probably know, there, there isn't a huge amount of evidence that AMD varies with socioeconomic status. So that's probably not an, an a very important confounder. We also looked at some of the factors that have been brought up in the literature like body mass index, alcohol consumption, cardiovascular disease as possibly being related to AMD and definitely being related to smoking. Um, and we included we included those just to, just to make sure that the associations we were looking at were, were reasonably robust. Just to make that point clear, the reason that you controlled for confounding variables was to make sure that smoking is not, in fact, a marker for something else, that smoking is not a marker for some other variable um, that is the, um, that, that, that's really what's correlating with macular degeneration, and that by controlling for these confounding variables, we can feel confident that it's the smoking that is the factor that's causing the, the increased risk of macular degeneration. If you look at them, I mean, there's been a, a, a quite a large number of studies now that have investigated the association between smoking and um, age-related macular degeneration, and uh, getting on towards 20 or so cross-sectional and case control studies and prospective studies. Almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all of them have, have come out with the finding that there's an increased risk of age-related macular degeneration in people who smoke. Our results you know, add to that and confirm that. And the Blue Mountains obviously also found an association. I think they found a slightly higher risk. Yeah, that the Blue Mountain study found that the odds ratio was closer to four for smokers. But we have to keep in mind that the Blue Mountain study was a, was a different study, that it looked at um, uh, younger patients, that it identified patients with more mild macular degeneration, and that, in essence, your study is a more conservative study um, number one, that it excluded patients with mild macular degeneration, that you didn't even consider patients who had a visual acuity of less than 2060, and, and, and number two, uh, that it dealt with uh, um, a more confined age group and in, in a lot of ways is, um, is, a, is a more powerful study. Uh, because even with all of these conservative constraints, you still found that there was a, a, a substantially uh, increased risk of macular degeneration mm -hmm. for smokers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, clearly it's a, it's a different population, it's a different age. Um, we've used a very, because our, our sample is a national sample, we've used a very crude definition of um, AMD. Um, and obviously in something like the Blue Mountains, they will have had been able to look at uh, fundus photographs and done quite a detailed and um, uh, examination of uh, uh, of uh, macular disease in in that group. But I think that you're absolutely right. What is interesting is that even with all those caveats, it's still coming up with this increased risk in a in a very general population group. So that makes us feel quite confident that there really is something going on, going on there out in the population that uh, smoking is a risk factor for 
for this blinding disease, yeah. Your study did not look at diet and at antioxidant intake, but I know that, that, there, that there are other studies that have looked at whether antioxidants could mitigate some of the increased risk of macular degeneration in, in smokers. Well, there have been a number of studies that have controlled for um, antioxidant intake. So, for example, the eye disease case control study also controlled for antioxidant, antioxidant intake. And obviously, it's, a, it's an obvious um, confounder because it might be related to smoking independently. But, um, you know, most studies that have controlled for that have not found that it's made a significant impact on the strength of the association that they're looking at. Um, so we sort of felt that even though we we didn't have this information um, and that was a potential confounder, that as other studies had not found that it had made any difference to the association, it, it probably wouldn't in our case either. The title of your paper is 28,000 Cases of Age-Related Macular Degeneration Causing Visual Loss in People Aged 75 Years and Above in the United Kingdom May Be Attributable to Smoking. Can you tell me, where does the 28,000 figure come from? Um, well, the, the 28,000 cases comes from a calculation of the attributable risk um, percent, uh, which is an epidemiological term trying to get at the number of cases in a population or the percentage of cases in a population that would be prevented or would not happen if this exposure, i.e. smoking, was removed. And it's calculated by taking into account the amount of smoking in the population and the size of the risk. So we assume there are approximately 200,000 people with visually impaired due to AMD in the population based on other research, assuming a, an odds ratio of approximately 2 and uh, approximately 10% of the population in this age group smoking. And that's how we got, got our figure. One of the findings that I found interesting in the study was that the odds ratio was greatest for the youngest patients in your study. Yes, we found that the the association was stronger in people aged 75 to 79 um, at a nearly an odds ratio of nearly three compared to an odds ratio of approximately one in the 90 uh, years and above age group. And there does seem to be a decrease over time. Um, it's not clear to me exactly what to attribute to that to. It could be attributed to the problems with data collection in the very old age group or whether it's just that people who smoke um, don't tend to live that long or um, you know, there might be a variety of explanations for that. Jenny Evans, thank you very much. Thanks a lot then. Bye-bye then. Jennifer Evans is lecturer in epidemiology at the International Center for Eye Health of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in London, England. Her paper, 28,000 Cases of Age-Related Macular Degeneration Causing Visual Loss in People Aged 75 Years and Above in the United Kingdom May Be Attributable to Smoking, appears in the May 2005 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. And now from our listener response line. This is Dr. Kenneth Noble in New York City. A question for Dr. Jeffrey Liebman on low-pressure or normal-pressure glaucoma. I have seen patients with moderately elevated intraocular pressure with normal optic nerves and normal visual fields who at a routine visit have now a large cup with visual field loss 
and when you inquire, it turns out that these patients had previously undetected systemic hypertension. Now the hypertension is being strictly controlled, their blood pressure is normalized, and consequently they have lost visual field with optic nerve atrophy or optic nerve cup enlargement. I wondered if Dr. Liebman has seen this, and if so, whether he thinks this supports the vasogenic theory of glaucomatous optic neuropathy. This is Dr. Jeffrey Liebman, and I am pleased to be able to respond to Dr. Noble's question regarding the relationship of the blood supply to the optic nerve and the development of glaucoma or normal tension glaucoma. There certainly are many different causes and risk factors for the development of glaucomatous optic neuropathy. Intraocular pressure is certainly the one we know the most about, but there most certainly are others. It is possible that genetics, composition of tissue at the level of lamina cabrosa, or even blood supply of the optic nerve all play a role in the development of glaucomatous optic neuropathy. For those individuals who have statistically elevated intraocular pressure, it is likely that intraocular pressure plays a larger role than in those who have intraocular pressures in the statistically normal range who go on to develop glaucoma. For the specific patient at hand, the development of optic nerve cupping unassociated with any localized pallor to the remaining neuroretinal rim associated with a glaucomatous visual field defect certainly is strongly suggestive of glaucoma. There are other possibilities, of course, including branch vein occlusion, um, other forms of uh, ischemic optic neuropathy, um, and so on that remain in the differential diagnosis. Given the abrupt nature of the documented visual field loss and change in the appearance of the optic disc, I think Dr. Noble is correct in that there may be other mechanisms at play in addition to the usual intraocular pressure-dependent form of the disease process. Prior to assuming, however, that this is really a glaucoma process, I would make certain that all other potential causes of non-glaucomatous changes in the optic disc and visual field, including vascular accident, for example, have been ruled out, and then would initiate therapy for the glaucoma only if totally convinced that there is no other etiology or should the defect be progressive. Certainly, be more inclined to treat such a patient if the intraocular pressure was, for example, in the high teens rather than the low teens, but nonetheless would document the appearance of the optic disc, clearly document the visual function in both eyes, and then proceed to pressure-lowering therapy and try to achieve a pressure reduction of approximately 20 to 30%. As initial therapy, as an initial therapeutic target, it certainly is a perplexing problem and one that faces all of us who deal with unusual glaucomas. Further research in the area of optic nerve fl blood flow and the blood flow in the parapapillary retina will likely increase our understanding of this disease process and hopefully allow us to develop therapies that are geared towards the non-pressure dependent components to the disease process. Thanks again for this interesting question. Now more about CME. As seen from here is going to roll out its CME project in phases. Initially, you will need to print out CME quizzes and mail them in for grading. Then, a few months later, we plan to go to an all-electronic format in which you'll be able to take the quiz and print out your CME certificate right online. Each As Seen From Here program will get you one half hour of CME credit. The quizzes and certificates will cover blocks of four programs for a total of two credit hours. 
You can download any programs you've missed by going to asseenfromhere.com and clicking on the Programs button. As Seen From Here, all the quality of a national meeting every week on your MP3 player. Ask questions of Dr. Evans or of any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial, area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial, 020-7558-8275 or Skype, JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.